0: I just didn't want this, that was just a beautiful time of worship there and um, I really appreciate that, thank you Marcus and and all you guys for leading us and um, I want to pray um, before I dive into the message and there's a video that's going to go right before the message but um, I got a text this morning and it was a friend asking me to pray for him, he's uh, headed off to serve in the military and it just, it, it occurred to me that there are first responders, there are military personnel, policemen, firemen um, every branch of you know the federal uh, agencies that serve us each and every day and um, we, were, we were very outspoken in terms of how we wanted to embrace uh, those who are affected by the pulse shooting and um, you haven't heard us say much about that since but there are a lot of people who are still dealing with the trauma of that of that both the families but also those who had to walk into that place and deal with the reality of pain and death and while you and I sing that song you know we we believe in the promise of a resurrection that's for sure but the the sting of death in a temporary sense is still very real and so people are still walking through that trauma so I thought I'm just calling a little bit of an audible here I do that every now and then I thought it'd be appropriate for us to just pray um, to pray for the people who are still dealing with those realities, the families of the victims, but especially for those who couldn't, couldn't mourn in the moment. They had to serve and they had to work and they had to do things that you and I couldn't even begin to understand doing. Some of you could, some of you are those people. You work in that field. Um, so would you just pray with me? We have a firehouse right across the street from us. Um, there are military going off to serve at this very moment. I baptized a young lady uh, last week or two weeks ago. I can't remember now. Who's uh, 17 and going to boot camp uh, in a couple of weeks? Um, but would you pray with me, just real quick, Father God? As we are reminded of the tremendous freedom we enjoy here in this place and in this country, the freedom to worship as we do here on Sabbaths and. Lord, we're just grateful for those who provide that freedom. We're grateful for those who risk everything, who leave their families day in and day out, and it's not real certain whether or not they'll actually get to come home. And they do that to serve us. They do that to provide safety and security for us. And uh, Father, we know that our city's been impacted in a very big way. And there are still those reeling. And, And we may not even be able to see it, externally but internally they're a mess. So, Father, we pray that you would lay your hands upon those who are still struggling. We pray that you would draw close to those who have to say goodbye to them each and every day, praying and hoping that they return home. But would you just strengthen those who are left behind, strengthen the families, Father. Would you draw close to those who go and serve us and and just protect them as they go and as they serve each and every one of us lord we thank you again we praise your name we're grateful for sabbath and the blessings that it brings in jesus name amen you may be seated charlie brown of charlie brown i can't believe it she must think i'm the most stupid person alive Come on, Charlie Brown. I'll hold the ball, and you kick it. Hold it? Ha! You'll pull it away, and I'll land flat on my back and kill myself. But, Charlie Brown, it's Thanksgiving! What's that got to do with anything? Well, one of the greatest traditions we have is the Thanksgiving Day football game. And the biggest, most important tradition of all is the kicking off of the football. Is that right? Absolutely. Come on, Charlie Brown. It's a big honor for you. Well, if it's that important, a person should never turn down a big honor. Maybe I should do it. Besides, she wouldn't try to trick me on a traditional holiday. It's time I'm going to kick that football clear to the moon. Ah! Isn't it peculiar, Charlie Brown, how some traditions just slowly fade away? <laughs> All right, so you didn't realize it was going to be, you know, preaching from peanuts this morning. Um, but there's a great lesson that we learn as we continue the conversation about spiritual growth there's something that speaks to us in this in this little cartoon sketch from from Charlie Brown and Lucy that line that last line isn't it peculiar Charlie Brown how some traditions just slowly fade away and the reality of it is this is that traditionally you and I have struggled to grow spiritually the reality is a lot of times you and I, we go through the same routine, the same motions, the same ritual, if you will, and we will find ourselves no further along than when we started because the tradition is slow to fade away. We struggle to grow and to move spiritually, to mature, which is what, what God is after with us. We, we find ourselves falling back time and time again and even when there's just this little sense of maybe i should go at this differently maybe you know there's a little bit of clarity for a moment just like charlie brown said he said yeah i'm not i'm not falling for that again we go and we convince ourselves yeah i'm just gonna keep on doing the same old thing and hoping things will change and we flounder again and we fall back Again, And we find ourselves never growing, never moving, never maturing, never become all that God intended for us to become. So that's where we're at today. We continue the conversation on spiritual growth, spiritual maturation, if you will. And if this is your first time with us, we kicked it off last week. And if you remember, we were in the book of 2 Peter, and we talked about, Uh, We talked about a number of things, but ultimately we sort of landed with this understanding about spiritual growth, and that is this. Just as certain and just as sure as the gospel is for our salvation, what Jesus has done, what Jesus has already completed for us, just as certain as the gospel is in saving us, so is, so is the gospel for your growth and maturation in other words, we, we, talked about this, um, we talked about this idea of risk aversion. We said, you know, the older we get, we have a tendency to be less risky. We won't take very many chances. And so we, we tend to just play it very, very, very safe. But then we ask the question, what are you willing to risk in order to grow, in order to move? What are you willing to do to experience growth and maturation in Christ, right? We said it may demand something more of us in order to grow and to become. But we said actually in reality, when it comes to our spiritual development and growth, it's not really any risk at all. Because just as certain as the gospel is, just as sure as your salvation is in Jesus Christ, so so sure is your growth and your maturation and your development. But then we talked about the risks that you must take. Knowing full well that your maturation is assured because of Jesus, there were some risks. When we looked at these seven virtues there in Second Peter, um, one of those virtues uh, had to do with warm friendliness. Warm friendliness. And just the idea that we're always staying open to people. We're always inviting. We're not closed off. Our posture as Christ followers, if indeed we're going to grow and to mature, is to always sort of be open, always inviting, always encouraging relationship and engagement, not closing off from people. Warm friendliness. That's the way the Message Bible put it, warm friendliness. Then we talked about generous love. That's the risk we may have to take to invite people into relationship with us, to invite God into deeper impact into our lives, but also generous love. There are people in your lives who are hard to love, man. And God says, don't be stingy you got to be generous with that love, even when it comes to the hard-to-love people. If you're going to grow and become everything that I have in mind for you. But just as surely, just as surely as Jesus saved you, that same Jesus will grow you. He will grow us. He will help us to mature and become all that we need to become. So it's really no risk at all. What we're doing here is simply talking about our willingness to risk being vulnerable and open, being willing to go where God leads. And God assures us that we will, in fact, experience growth. I quoted you this last week from Dallas Willard. He said, you weren't born again to stay where you are. That should just be plastered across like, our foreheads, or something—I don't know—so we can all see it. You were not born again to stay where you are. But here's another quote I want you to hear. It's from a book that that we that that we all know about for the most part. But it's called Steps to Christ. Steps to Christ. Listen to this. This is really good. In the matchless gift of His Son, God has encircled the whole world with an atmosphere of grace. As real as the air which circulates around the globe. An atmosphere of grace. I love that. All who choose to breathe this life, life-giving atmosphere will live and grow up to the stature of men and women in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And what, what caught my attention is the environment or the atmosphere of grace. See, as we talk about grace, it's not, to, it's not to press guilt on people, it's not to make people feel bad. As we talk about growing, it's not to make people feel bad, it's not to make people feel guilty for the fact that we haven't grown, but it is because of grace that we are called to grow and that we can grow. In other words, there's space for us to move and to grow and to become, and it's not condemnation if we haven't grown, it's... it's that I'm God is calling us to grow and he creates an environment so we as a church we're responsible for creating this environment of grace where there is space for people to move and to grow and to become if we strangle out grace and we just sort of become this place where these there these these crazy demands on people and expectations we haven't created an environment of growth, an environment of grace for that growth to occur, then all we'll get is sort of dysfunctional believers, right? We don't want that. There's enough of us that are that way, right? We, we need growing, maturing believers. Or we'll, if, if, we, if, we don't, if we don't create an atmosphere of grace, if we don't buy into what Steps to Christ is talking about here, we'll have a, we'll have a group of completely immature Non-love-generous people. non-warm and friendly people. No one is drawing because there isn't this environment, there isn't this space of grace. So that's on us, Church. That's on us. The atmosphere of grace you and I have to create. That's what, that's what she talks about. Cause God has already, God, actually, God has already encircled the entire world. It says there's an atmosphere of grace as real as the air which circulates. Let's not be the place that closes the vents, people. Make sure the vent is wide open. Lots of grace flowing in. Lots of grace for there to be growth. So people can mature and become all that God intended for us to be. So we continue the conversation today. We're in Genesis chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, if you just want to follow on the screen, that's cool. Genesis chapter 3. The context here in chapter 3 is the fall. This is where sin first enters the picture. Where humanity becomes infected with sin. Where there is, an, in, in essence, a stunting of growth and a stunting of relationship with god so we're going to pick it up in chapter 3 verse 7 we'll look at 7 to 10 and then we'll look at verse 24 and what we'll pick up on here are two essential questions for growth for our growth so hang with me here these will be familiar passages but follow along with me the fall has occurred and um, adam and eve are in a situation where they're having to re-encounter God. God is walking along, he's coming along, and this is what happens as they encounter God. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8 then the man and his wife heard the sound of the lord god that's adam and eve they heard the sound they heard the sound of the lord god as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the lord god among the trees of the garden but the lord god called to the man here's the first critical question when it comes to spiritual growth but the lord god called to the man where are you where are you Verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then verse, um, let, me, let me hit verse 11 just real quick. And he asked, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? All right, so here's the first question that has to do with growth. And that is the question of where are you? A penetrating question To say the least. And it's not like God wasn't aware of where they were. But I think it's a deeply profound spiritual question to ask back then and right now. If you were to sort of sit there for a moment and assess where you are spiritually. If you could answer that question. Where are you? Do you even have people in your life, perhaps, who are, who are close enough and who are bold enough to ask you that question? Where are you? But let me suggest a little bit more. That it's not just simply a question as much as it is a calling. A calling. Where are you? Where are you? As if God is saying to your heart and to mine and to Adam and Eve, Where are you? You are not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be with me. We're supposed to be intimate. We're supposed to be close. Where are you? I need you with me. You're supposed to be home with me. We're supposed to be tight. Where are you? It's not just a question, but a calling to your heart and to mine. I remember when... I think it was Brooklyn, my middle daughter, was, was super young. She was rather active, had a lot of energy. And the minute we would go into a department store, it may have been Liberty too. I can't remember which kid it was, honey. Anyway, one of them. But the minute we would go into a department store, maybe your kid was like this if you have children, she would dash for the clothes racks. She would, she would run to the clothes racks and hide in them. And we we would, if you're a parent, when your child runs off and hides and you can't find them, or you look around because you you had them inside at one moment, and then they were gone the next, that freaks you out, right? So my wife would often freak out and go, where's the child? Right? I'm kind of like, oh, they'll be fine. You know, that's how dads are. We'll find her eventually, right? (laughs) The kid will come back. so So here's the kid hiding in the clothes racks. And it's not just a question of location now. It's a calling for you to come back to me. So, so Christina's like, where, Brooklyn, where are you? Where, where are you? You can hear, you know, you can hear this, this voice, and the voice isn't so much concerned about your location as much as it's concerned about why aren't you with me? Because you're supposed to be with me. You, are mine. You belong to me. Come back to me. I can protect you. I can watch over you. You are mine. I can, I can take care of you. And it's that same voice that's, that sounds like a question, but in reality, it's a calling. Will you come back to me? Will you come back to me? And that's the deep spiritual question. When, when, when we ask the question, where am, where are you? We're really saying, can you come back? God is really saying, will you come back and be with me? That's a critical spiritual growth question, where are you? And are you making your way back home? Because unlike when we grow up in the, real, in the physical sense, We grow up in the physical sense, and we grow up and we gain more independence. We leave our parents home, and we get our own car, and we get our own house, and we get our own money, and we do life by ourselves. And the spiritual sense is always answering the call to come back home. Because back home with the Father... Is where you need to be. Back home in dependence on him because he wants to be with you. And you really, in your heart of hearts, you want to be with him and you want to be close to him. It's a call to come back. Now here's the cool part because the second question, the second vital spiritual question is also very, very important. If you go over to verse 24, after the fall, God pronounces curses upon Adam and Eve and the serpent. And then he does something very in- interesting. He banishes them from this intimacy and this communion with them. So it says, after he drove the man out, he placed, he placed on them. I knew I was going to get hot with his jacket on. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden, cherubim and flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So they're gone now. They're out of the garden. They've been banished from the garden they're out and now the people like you and me are faced with another question I think it's the most important question where am I going where am I going where are you and the call is to come home the second question where am I going Adam and Eve face it and you and I face it now where are you going that's, a, that's an even more vital question, a question we don't often get to in church because we're primarily, we're primarily concerned about where you've been and where you are currently, right? We spend a lot of time on that. Sometimes it's okay and it's good, but a lot of times we, hang, we camp out in where you've been and where you are currently, and sometimes that isn't the best thing. It certainly doesn't help us to grow in the way that God would call us to grow Because here's the thing. I don't believe God is terribly concerned about where you've been. I don't think God is terribly concerned even about where you are right now. He's primarily concerned with where you are going. And as a church, we've often hung out and we camped out in where you are, right? Right? This is kind of where i'm at or we've we've camped out in the past and, and and you're and sometimes sometimes we're afraid people come come to our churches sometimes and they 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 feel that reality that we're kind of hung out we're kind of we're kind of really uh, stuck on where you're at currently and if it doesn't quite match to where we think you ought to be we're kind of hung up on that or where you've been in your past what is your past and it follows you in the church and sometimes we treat you a little weird because we learn about your past and shame on us for be, for camping out on the present and the past instead of thinking about where God is taking people we want to move God wants to see us grow God wants us to recognize that his voice is calling out. It's not a question as much as it is a calling. Can you please come back to me? I want to be with you because if you are with me, therein you will find the greatest growth. You will move beyond. You will become all that I have in mind for you to be. It's ultimately with me that you grow spiritually. Sometimes we bought into the notion that if I'm just in the church, if I'm just in the tradition of the church, if I just have my name on the book, that may very well be enough for me. But it's interesting, in the same way as the video, you know, uh, Lucy says that some traditions slowly fade away. Sometimes we get boxed in by tradition. We, our growth is stunted because we, we're We're under the assumption that, well, this is all there is for my growth. When I come to the church, the church is sort of the be-all, end-all. The church sometimes, and the traditions of my faith, are often the stopping place. I never move beyond. So i got to share with you kind of the main passage that I wanted to get to today, and I'm I'm quickly losing time here, but I want to take you to um, the book of Matthew Matthew chapter 9 specifically. And we're going to look very quickly at at a passage here that helps us to understand how we don't get stunted in our growth because of the traditions of our faith. That in fact, the traditions of our faith, while good and very important and have helped us to grow, we have to grow beyond just what we know in this context, in this reality. So the context here is the calling of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew talks about his own calling It's where Jesus comes along and he invites him to follow him it's interesting though because of his past because of Matthew's past and what appears to be his presence his present there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, tension Because of Jesus calling this guy before he cleans himself up, before he changes his reputation, before he becomes what he perhaps needs to be. And so the religious leaders and the the Pharisees and so forth are looking at it there. And Matthew is a tax collector. That's his present. And that's probably a little bit of his past. And they hate him. They can't stand him. In fact, this text is pretty interesting. Listen to verse 10. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, did you catch that? Tax collectors were kind of their own category of sinners. I might be a sinner, but I ain't no tax collector. Right? These are some these are some hated, sinful, bad dudes. They're past, they're present, they were awful. But notice that Jesus calls. Notice that Jesus calls. He calls him before he ever changes his reputation. He calls him before he ever grows to be whatever He has in mind for him to become. In fact, he invites him to take a journey with him so that he can become. Spiritual growth is really a matter of how closely you can get to the master, to the father. If you hear the call, are you making your way home? There's an interesting thing that Jesus says down in verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And it's verse 13 that helps us here. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And it's that passage that says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go and learn. Pharisees, your tradition is has stunted your growth. You don't quite get what this thing is all about. You think that you have arrived. You think that because you know the law, that you got all this stuff down. And you've even only, you've even added a little bit to the law. You think that you just got this thing covered. You are the epitome of spiritual growth and maturation. And Jesus says to them, I'm going to put you in your place. Go back and learn some more, buddy. Because really spiritual growth and development is about answering my call to come home regardless of your past regardless of your present I'm thinking about where you're going I will take you right here right now tax collector own category of sinner that you are you are mine and I want to take you home You are mine and I want to grow you into what I want you to be. But you got to hang with me. You got to come with me. Church people, go back and learn some more. You don't quite get it that your tradition isn't enough. You got to know me. Here's the practical reality for you and me. Some of us have grown up in this church thing. We know it well. We know the traditions of our faith well. the question becomes do we know the Jesus behind the faith do we know the Jesus who calls people regardless of their past or their present do we know the Jesus And the real practical reality is this that's on you there's no church there's no pastor there's no teacher there's no preacher that can make you help you do The knowing of Jesus and the pursuing of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, seek me and find me when you search for me with all your hearts. That's on you. Now, is there a faith tradition? Is there an environment of grace that we create? Absolutely. But ultimately, it comes back to you to decide, I'm going home, baby. There's nothing that's going to stand in my way. I hear the call of this God who's not concerned about my past. He's not concerned about my present. He just wants me to be with him so that I can become all that he wants me to be. It's not enough for me to simply come and occupy a pew and assume that my faith tradition will ultimately get me to that place. There are a lot of people been in church a long time. The faith tradition is strong, and I'm not dogging it. It's good. It's, it's absolutely the best. A lot, of, a lot of growth, but not real maturation. A lot of knowledge pouring into the head, but not a lot of maturation in the love of Jesus. That's on you and me. He told the Pharisees, go and learn some more. And maybe the call to you and me is to go and be with him. To begin to understand a bit more about what it means to grow in Christ Jesus. That's on you. Galatians chapter 1 verses 14 through 16. Let me end with this little bit of a story on Paul. Paul talks about his tradition of faith. He grew up in it. He knows it well. Listen to what he says in verse 14 of Galatians 1. I was advancing in my faith in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age. He said, look, I was, I was younger than some of the folks in the church, but I had this faith thing down. I knew how to do church, and I knew how to do this Judaism thing. Some of y'all have been Adventists for a short time, but you know how to do this thing, and you're passing others up. Beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Verse 15. But when God who set me apart from birth. Listen to this. But when God set me apart from birth and called. Called me by his grace. Was pleased to reveal his son in me. So that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That's Paul's story. He heard the call. He understood grace. And he understood the Jesus that was for him. And it made all the difference in the world, in his life. He didn't consult anyone. He just went out and did it. You don't have to talk to anyone about your spiritual growth. Just go grow. Go get to know Jesus. That's on you. That's your responsibility. If you don't grow spiritually, then it's on you. Let me finish with this. I have a a fake baby living in my house. My kid is doing this thing for class, and she has this fake baby. She has it right here in the pew with her. It's a little unsettling, actually, for a father to have his 16-year-old with the kid. Um, But anyway, this baby cries. This baby cries. This baby has to have his diaper changed. This This baby does everything that real babies do to a certain extent, but this baby will not grow. <laughs> it's a fake baby. We're going to feed it. It has a little battery I guess that keeps it charged. If we didn't do anything to it it would just sit there and the battery would go dead and it doesn't matter. It's okay because it's not a real baby. It's not it's never going to grow beyond being a fake baby that requires charging and a battery. It can act like one. It can mimic one. But it's not a real baby. Here's the thing. You're a real child of God you've been adopted in you're part of his family you're a real child of God and what God sees in you is this enormous potential for growth and for more and he calls you to remember who you are you're my child and I called you back home a long time ago and I'm calling you right now come home come home and grow into everything I ever wanted you to be father thank you for this time thank you that we thank you that we could hear your voice and recognize your call to come home may we respond may we not let the traditions of our faith keep us from growing more And father may we get to know you deeper may we draw closer to you because we know that ultimately that's the only way that we become all that you intended us to be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.